0: You know, you really can pour as much water as you want into a bucket with holes in the bottom. You know, you can try to acquire as many listeners as you want, you could spend a million dollars on advertising, Mm -hmm. and if your product stinks, you're not gonna retain people. So the trick for me is to make sure that I'm upping the quality. Not just bringing the same type of quality as I had before on the Art of Charm, but upping the quality for the Jordan Harbinger show so that people go, man, this is definitely worth making the switch.
1: Podcast Junkies, episode 164. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran, back at it again. If you are new to the show, just a quick, warm welcome to you. I'd love to find out how you found out about this show. If you're a new listener, I'm always excited to welcome new listeners. And as a podcaster to another podcaster, if you're not doing this to your audience, then you're missing an opportunity to roll out the Welcome mat to people who are discovering your show for the first time. So please do that because I love uh, all my new fans and all my fans who have been here since the very beginning. This is the show where I search out great and interesting voices in podcasting and they kick back their heels and spend about an hour with me talking about all things podcasting and some things not podcasting. So in case you missed last week's episode, we had a great, great, fun conversation with Susie Buttress a lot of positive feedback on that show. She's the host of the Casual Birder podcast. That's episode 163. And make sure you check that one out as well. It was so fun because it was a serendipitous meeting through Twitter where we were sh- we were connected uh, in a post, a shared post, a shared tweet about uh, podcasts I'm listening to. I believe it was from the Varmints podcast. So I got to give them the proper credit. Uh, the crew over there. Going to dig a little into that show to see what they're about as well. So there was a whole tweet uh, about that which caught my interest and then i proceeded to listen to the show this week we have a return guest and friend jordan harbinger host of the jordan harbinger show now if the name sounds familiar um And it's tied, and you have it connected to a different show. He was formerly the host of The Art of Charm. So there's a bit of uh, stuff that happened. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. That um, has resulted in him now being the host of uh, his own show. And I I couldn't be happier for him. Um, In this interview, we talk about... Uh, all the work that he does in preparation for him being a fantastic interviewer and how he actually takes control of his in- interviews—he really, really is a, a master of this of this craft. He's been doing it for such a long time, and it's clear when you hear him interview guests on his show that uh, I don't—I don't hear many hosts that uh, take it to the level that he does. Uh, and we talk a little bit why he does that and why it's important to him. We talk about his experience. In radio and how it's helped him with podcasting, and we talk about uh, the guest vetting and the prep so that he avoids having a boring interview. We discuss why it's important to have this much preparation and research, and why specifically it's important to him. We we mention our mutual friend John Corcoran, uh, who actually introduced me to Jordan. So I'll be forever grateful to John. He is the host of the Smart Business Podcast, Smart Business Revolution. Sorry. Um, So Jordan mentions what John actually taught him, which was uh, helpful for him. We talk about, uh, we can't avoid not talking about the uh, rebuilding of his new show from the ground up and some of the experience he's had um, at the time of this interview. And then he goes a little bit into the trust that he's had about where he's headed, feeling thankful and and his appreciation for all the people that are helping him get back on track, and get back into the swing of things. And he loves doing that, and that's why he's back behind the mic. Um, I, I'm always digging into these, the ins and outs of these shows and how they work, so we touch a little bit about the role his producer Jason plays um, in the success of the show and a couple other things related to uh, things that are important to him. So this is an interesting conversation because it was been a while, a couple years since Jordan's been on, and I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to catch up with him and get the scoop about what it's like to start uh, a new show from scratch and everything he's going through, And, and I think that's going to be highly relevant information to this podcasting family. This episode is brought to you by another family. It's the family over at Podbean. (laughs) And uh, I love the great things they do to help podcasters get started with their show. You can get started with a simple plan of $9 for unlimited podcasting. And if you're into video podcasting, which I'm continuing to mention as a positive for people who have video, uh, you can get started with $29, which is an incredible, incredible price. And that's for unlimited video hosting. So head on over to podbean.com slash podcast junkies. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. It's my way of checking in on who's been podcast naughty and podcast nice. And uh, it's at the end of the episode and it's a special hashtag that you'll only hear there. So enjoy this great conversation with returning guest and friend, Jordan. All right, Jordan. Welcome back. Podcast Junkie Thanks, man. Round two. I typically don't do... Uh, not. What, what the fuck am I talking about? It's my show. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah,
0: do whatever you want. I typically I don't that. do repeats, but okay, I guess I can. <laughs> you, men- you mentioned you mentioned
1: that one time cuz uh, you're you're starting fresh and you know some people you reached out to said, "Oh, I don't do interviews." I'm like, "Dude, it's your show. Like, well, you can do whatever you want."
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of people who are like, "Well, you know, I don't do this, I don't do that." I'm like, "Okay, cool. You know, whatever. I'm fine with that." But I also realized, "Hmm, when it's your show, you can really do whatever <laughs> you want." For the most part. Yeah, it was just Battered, so, it was so funny
1: of. coming out of my mouth. It, it's I was telling people the other day that um I'm just, I'm like feeding my own curiosity. I heard a podcast and it was a, she's from the UK and it's called Casual Birder Podcast. And she just is a casual bird watcher and she like records birds and she like whistles. She knows how to whistle some of them. And she like six episodes. And I was like, that's cool. I want to talk to her. And so (laughs) I reached out on Twitter and we had an interview for like an hour. And I was like, scratching my own itch. I was like, so this is, that's the beauty of having this platform.
0: How interesting. Yeah. I never, I only interview people on the Jordan Harbinger show if it can solve a problem and or teach the audience something that they can use right away. That's really my guideline. Yeah. And that has, but that I have to stick to that because there's so many shows out there and you know this where people are just rambling <laughs> and you, you got to ask yourself, what's the value for the audience? And a lot of the time there is none or the personalities involved will be like, well, you know, we're really entertaining and we're educating. And it's like, nah, y- if people can't use anything that you've just spoken about, are yeah. you really educating or are you just kind of filling a gap with hot air?
1: So obviously you've had a lot of experience and you've had some... uh Amazing interviews uh, on your previous show, and and a couple that I I, I immediately had to immediately text you about when you had Russell Brand was great and oh, you, yeah and and do you do you feel like you need to step up your game when you're talking to people of that caliber? I know you already do a ton of prep, but you feel like you need to take it to another level when you're talking to those those folks?
0: Yeah, I, definitely. I think when the danger arises, yeah, you're right. So there's there's kind of a balance here. If I know that I'm going to be talking with somebody who's going to be, who's an A-list celebrity, it's not just I want to do a good job. It's There's a lot of pitfalls with celebrities in that they're unpredictable. Sometimes they don't want to talk about a certain thing. Sometimes you'll bring something up and their publicist will suddenly go, "Ooh, no, we can't talk about that. Or, oh, that book's not going to come out after all. Or, oh, actually the title changed since we spoke. So you have to be careful about that. But the primary reason that I have to step my game up is not that I haven't done enough prep because every interview that i do on the jordan harbinger show probably spend 10 to 12 hours preparing yeah the the problem is that celebrities are used to being showmen showmen and women yeah and they will take over the show if you let them do it interesting and it's not that they're going screw this guy i'm going to take over his platform it's that they're going well I'm here. I'm talking. I feel really comfortable with this. And a lot of times in in a host who's not necessarily used to controlling a guest because he usually talks to neuroscientists like me, for example, might step back and just let them do their thing. But then you don't have your show. You just have them horsing around in your platform and it's a totally different animal. So you end up with kind of this weird scenario where this comedian doesn't offer any v- for example on my end and this isn't with russell brand but i've interviewed comedians before and i'm like i'm just gonna get out of their way and yeah. then i have this really mediocre crappy whatever comedy set yeah. in air quotes <laughs> that has nothing to do with my audience where this comedian's just riffing and everyone goes what the hell was that the hell was that man you where was, the value, was in, in the value in that yeah there's no value and and so then i realize, oh wait a minute my job is to get this content out of the guest to make sure that they're educating, teaching the Jordan Harbinger show audience, something that they can use right away, not just doing impressions of guys from New Jersey. And then I'm like, well, he's a celebrity. I need to stay out of the way. I don't yeah. want to take over the show. It's like, no, you're still the host of the show. And I've learned this from watching talk show hosts that are very experienced, like Bill Maher. Yeah. He knows how to control a guest. he'll, he'll, he'll talk over people or give them a hint and then he'll make a joke about it. And then after they, if they still don't stop, he'll say, well, look at you, you know, you just want all the attention right now. Don't you? Like he'll figure out how to do it. I don't control the guests in the same way. I have physical tells where I'll reach out. And and if I are in person, my hand is up, not like a kid at school, but right in their psychological space or I'll break in verbally or nonverbally a few times. And then if I really have to, if the guest is really insistent, on they're saying that whatever piece they're saying then sometimes producer Jason just has to go in cut that whole section out yeah. because that guest just really wanted to get it out of their system and then we'll just work with it you know we'll just get rid of it but usually i try to control the guest because you you are the person that makes it your show and that yeah. doesn't mean you have to talk more than the next person doesn't mean you have to take over the show what it does mean is that if it's you're not if you're not adding any shape to the interview the storytelling, the takeaways, the teachable moments, then you don't need to be there. So hmm. what value are you bringing if you don't even need to be there?
1: It's interesting because it's this idea of like, uh, like, you're in my house, right? And, and these are the house rules and this is, yeah. this is how I run my show. And, and if you don't demonstrate that, I guess it's sort of like the alpha dog mentality too, right? If you don't step up and say, you know, who's, who's leading this, then it's just, they're, they're, they'll assume that the reins are up for grabs.
0: Yeah. And it's not conscious. I don't want people to think like, oh, guests are always fighting for attention. Sure. You might get some comedian or something like that because they typically do. They'll fight for the limelight because it's all that's how they make their careers. But subconsciously, and I do this, too, if I'm on a a show, especially when I was doing live radio, you got to fill the silence. So if the host just sits there and is looking at you, I'm just going to keep talking. Yeah, And I'm going to try to make it interesting, but if the host can't hang or won't hang, then I will just do what I need to do to make sure this radio show goes smoothly. With podcasts, it's different because I can stop and go, um, all right, uh, that's it for me. Harry, do you have anything <laughs> else? Like, Do you want to keep going in this direction? And then uh, you can snip all that out if yeah. you need to. And then it's like we just seamlessly segued into the next thing. But on live radio, you don't want to stop and go, yeah, so that's kind of how that worked out for me. And then they're like, uh, OK, because the, the listener's going next. Yeah, exactly. Flip the dial. What's going on?
1: So it seems like that uh, radio experience really came in handy. Yeah, of course, because
0: radio in radio, when I started on Sirius XM Satellite Radio God, a long time ago, like a decade ago now, hmm. I showed up as a podcaster and they were like, sure, we'll give you this time slot. And we were talking to truckers. And then we realized, oh, some of these callers will take over. And then it was like, oh, actually, when we're being interviewed by other people, some of these other hosts will take over. Oh, when we have guests, sometimes these guests will take over. So it became kind of a problematic issue for us. And I had to learn how to solve that problem really quick because I remember the station manager calling me in and going, hey, you had that writer in from, I don't know, Newsweek. Yeah. And she's a really experienced writer and you just let her talk over you the whole time. And she's stuck stuck there for two 20 minute segments and you didn't say much. And I was like, yeah, that's great. We really let the guest go with it. And da, da, da. my station manager was like, no, you got to control these people or they're just going to, they're just going to take over your show, Yeah. And then you don't even need to be there. Like I said before. And I thought, Ooh, that's a hint. Yeah. If I don't need to be there, then what value am I adding? And if the answer is none, you won't get fired from your own hobby podcast, but yeah. <laughs> your listeners might fire you from their attention span and their rotation.
1: How much do you think about, like, the third person in the room, like the other person on the side, like, because I always try to envision um, that they're there with me. You know, it's like you, you and I are having a conversation. There's like a third stool, and they're watching us have this conversation, and just not forget that they're there. Is that something you're cognizant of as well?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm always trying to think on behalf of the listener. If that makes sense, I'm always trying to think: What do they want to know? What do they want to ask? And why? Oh, why am I the person that has to figure out what to what to say and do? Or maybe not why? Oh, why? What? More like what am I going to say and do here that they would want me to do? This is, that's pretty. That's a pretty crap explanation. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be the safeguard of my audience's attention. And sort of the arbiter, I'm the co- the conduit between mm. the guest and the audience. Mm. They can't say anything in real time. So I have to assume, I have to predict what they want to know. Mm. And I have to ask the questions in the right way to elicit something useful, because otherwise their question is, why the hell am I listening to this? So it's like, all right, every time I talk with somebody, there has to be useful, practical takeaways, which is great, because it allows me to focus, forces me to focus on the content of the Jordan Harbinger Show interviews every single time. Otherwise, the question that I'm asking myself on behalf of the audience is, why did I download this episode and why did I click play? And you do not want them asking that question because if they don't have a great answer, then they're you're on the chopping block, man. There's too much competition out there.
1: Competition is bananas mm. right now. It's I find yeah. myself staring at episodes sometimes, and sort of like with my hand on that like delete button. I'm like, mm. uh, if this interview doesn't get better within the next ten or fifteen minutes, I hear that, man.
0: <laughs> I hear that. I'm and, out. And it's tricky because sometimes you get just a guest that doesn't have any juice. Yeah. That's your that's your failure of guest vetting and prep. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just I, I mean, always now at this stage of my career as a professional broadcaster, I can't blame the guest for being boring because did i not check their youtube did i not see them talk do i not have enough stories that i know about them to elicit that i can make them interesting yeah. if those if those things didn't fall into place that's my fault it's not their fault that i selected some someone who couldn't deliver the goods and then they didn't deliver the goods and somehow i'm surprised that's a prep failure you always have to accept responsibility whether it's the only time that you could possibly end up with a dud is if you found somebody who was phenomenal, and you got them, and they were sick or something, okay. and you still couldn't shake them out of their head enough, and they kind of had no business being at work in the first place. Yeah. And then, th- then at that point, you might want to say, "Hey, look, we should reschedule this. I feel like you're not in a great headspace for this," and they should agree with you and take you up on that. I think those well, are I- the only, that's the only time that you should be doing an interview and go, "What the f? What the f is this?"
1: I, I think podcasters are f- definitely afraid of having that one shot with that big guest. And they're just like, Oh man, it's like, I landed this, I landed the whale or I landed the shark. And it's like, I, I don't want to even think about trying to ask them to reschedule. Cause it's, I'll never get them again.
0: I hear that. I understand that, which means you have to prepare like crazy and get everybody out of their head. And you need to be so well prepared that you would never reschedule it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, it. they, they, you have to be so ready to rock hmm. that you can salvage it even if you have to do all the talking,
1: basically. I i mean, I, I touched on it earlier, this, uh, this, the amount of prep that you do. Has it always been like that? And like, why is it so important for you to do so much research? Is that like you're just your legal training?
0: Part of it's probably my legal training, yeah. But really, the rest of it is gonna be the fact that if I don't prepare, I know the interview won't be that good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's because Otherwise, if I don't prepare enough, I can either get out of their way and then I don't need to be there, right? Like show up, get celebrity, sit there, let celebrity talk and perform the mm, end. Yeah. Or I've done so much prep that I know exactly where I want the interview conversation to go. Whether or not I actually take it there is my choice as a host later. Yeah. You know, I can let them go somewhere and go, oh, let's go down this road. I don't have to keep in a certain track, mm-hmm. but you need to have a track. If you don't, and then things go off, well, I guess nothing would go off track if you don't have a track, right? (laughs) But then you can end up with, oh, that was a whole hodgepodge mess of nothing. Thanks for showing up, right? You have to know where you're going to go. You don't have to follow that path, but you better have some clue of where you're going to take it. And the only way to get there is to have enough prep that you know what that person has to offer. Otherwise, you're just hoping that they offer you something and your audience likes it, which is really, really bad. It's kind of like and maybe this is the legal training coming in because during cross examination, which is a a questioning technique at trial, there's this there's this sort of genius old professor and this guy, his name is Irving Younger. Mm-hmm. He's you know, this is probably a talk from I don't know, the seventies or something like that. And he's working at some college, some law school. And one of his rules is never ask a question. If you don't already know the answer, Hmm. I don't think you should do that in an interview. You can be genuinely curious, but if you don't have any idea where this is going to go, you're just hoping that it bears fruit for your audience. If your goal is to entertain, fine, have comedians and celebrities on can't go wrong. But again, our goal with the Jordan Harbinger show is that every episode solves a problem or, gives the listener something they can apply right away multiple things they can apply right away with a goal that specific i can't just set it and forget it and hope that the guest delivers i have to tease that out and if i'm not ready to do that then i've failed the audience and that's how you lose fans
1: how much uh so when you started the new show and this is interesting because you're starting from zero so to speak and and you know yeah and and i know a lot of times uh you know, John Lee Dumas has that question. If you were stranded on an island, $500, what, what would you do? And, yeah. I, and I thought about that, and it's interesting. So it's obviously scary, scary time, I, I might imagine, and you've touched on oh, it yeah. on, on the episode with uh, John Corcoran on Smart Business Revolution, who actually introduced us, so you know, I'm grateful to him for making that. He's a super connector. Oh, yeah. So that was, he was in a a group called Fizzle and I was like, oh, I was looking for a new guest and he's like, well, maybe I can introduce you to Jordan. And you didn't know who the hell I was at the time. So I want to just publicly thank you for being super generous with your, with your time. And, and I think as far, as long as I've known you, I mean, you've always been generous with your time. So I I, I truly appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Thank you, man. You know, we clicked right away because you're just a good dude. And yeah, John is really a super connector. I mean, that's a guy who. If you ask him for introductions and help, he will over-deliver. He's really good at that, and he taught me a lot about really just giving without the expectation of anything in return Mm -hmm. in a way that's really scalable, and I'm leaning a lot lot on friends right now, now that I have to start over, and I'm really glad that I spent the last 10, 11 years helping people without the expectation of anything in return, being very giving- not blowing people off because I'm a big, important podcaster with 4 million downloads a month. I mean, that was tempting at times, but it wasn't who I wasn't who I am. And people go, Oh my gosh, Jordan, it's like talking to a celebrity or something like that. And I just, I'm not used to that at the end of the day. I'm a dude. I'm a podcaster who's doing a show in his underwear half the time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So what if I've got the former ambassador to Russia on here? He can't see my lower half. And I woke up late and that's what's (laughs) happening. You know? Um, so you got you to gotta really come at it with a sense of humility, but I didn't do that strategically. Yeah. I helped a lot of people without the expectation of anything in return, but that was the thing. I never really, I never went, well, I'm helping without the expectation of anything in return, but someday I might have to lean on this. I never thought for a second I'd be out of my ass and restarting a show from scratch after 11 years. Yeah. You know, I never thought that was going to happen. Now I realize, wow, one of the, the, the number one, not one of the, the number one thing I have in my
1: corner is a ton
0: of relationships. I mean, just an absolute
1: ton. I mean, it's just, but it just speaks to just having that, having that mindset, like you said, just giving, cause that's how you were. And like you said, you didn't do it with the intention. I mean, we, we, I think we, we met up at the NMX and we saw, we saw oh, yeah. Pat, Pat Flynn's DeLorean pull up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So, That's that, right. so that was fun and but i think um to to your point it's like it's interesting because you mentioned oh i'm four you know four million downloads or whatever and it's almost like before you got to that point where you, you were going to become like a douchebag or an asshole like it's <laughs> it's like okay that we can't let that happen to jordan because he's too much of a nice guy and you know this is not the the wake-up call or, or any, not that you were headed towards a wake-up call but i think it's just a nice reminder that living the life and, and being the person that you are up until this point has paid off for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's fortunate that none of it went to my head early because if it did, I'd be having a much harder time right now. And yeah. I'll tell you right now, I will never look relationship. Well, I will never take relationships for granted, man. I can't like yeah. rebuilding from the ground up with all my friends support yeah. people like you and people like, but you know, all of our friends, all of our mutual friends yeah. really busting their butt to help get, the Jordan Harbinger show in front of a bunch of people so that the advertisers are satisfied so that the team here can survive. I mean, you know how hard it is to grow a podcast. And I'll tell you right now, it's been two weeks Mm -hmm. since the launch of the first episode of the show. And we've just two weeks and we've had 150,000 downloads and today, well, today's, Not quite finished yet, but today's a record download day by quite a bit. And again, bear in mind, we've only been out for two weeks, Mm -hmm. but these episodes have 30,000 downloads already, some of these. So that is kind of, I'm trying to pat myself on the back. This is a team effort. That's kind of amazing. I really, I remember it took years for me to get my other show to 30,000 downloads an episode. And it's been, you know, these have been out for two weeks and we're almost there. So I, I find that it's quite promising it's looking up. Mm-hmm. You know, we might actually make it out of this one, right? <laughs> you know, since I'm at the beginning of a promo tour and restarting from scratch, to have those kind of numbers this early is very, very promising. And it it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the people I have around me yeah. helping get the Jordan Harbinger show into as many years as possible. Sure, I'm creating the content with the team, and that's retaining people and getting them to come for th- this in the first place. But there's the the real reason that this is successful and not languishing quietly or dying a slow, painful death with nobody paying attention is because of the network that we built around us over the past several years.
1: What what has that done? I don't want to use the phrase can phrase of faith in humanity, but like, how is what has that done for you? Like that perspective you have on life, and the fact that so many people have come out to help you. You know, because when I first heard about it, I thought you had a second show, and I was like, oh, that's cool, let's talk about your second show. And like, no, this is the the only show. Yeah. So. You know, what is, what is, has what that done for you? Like, like how you think about friendships and how you think about, you know, yeah. trust and I'll, all this sort of stuff, you know, tr- trust is what's funny is trust is intact. Yeah, I still have
0: no problem trusting people that are helping me that are friendly with me. Um, that I, I refuse to be damaged by this experience, I guess you would say. Yeah. And. I've become a lot more compassionate for people around me who have problems. You know, Now I look around and I'm like, I have to start my show and business over. I'm not gonna lose my house. Nobody's trying to take my kids away from me. Mm -hmm. I didn't lose a spouse in a tragic fire or accident. I don't have a health issue. I am counting my blessings. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm starting in a rocky, rough place right now that everyone says is gonna be the best thing that ever happened to me in a year, universally people are saying that, and then they're helping me get past this this is kind of like it, it. It's the this is the business equivalent of a, a, a flat tire or two, Yeah. or like, hey, my car's making a weird noise. This is not implosion, yeah. nuclear apocalypse, right? So, I am very thankful for the blessings that I do have, and I treat. I, I I'm very cognizant of the fact that I can recover by tre- by virtue of the fact that I've treated everybody well enough so far that they're willing to help me. And I will never forget that lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I learned the easy way by being able to rely on friends and not the hard way. By, You know, you hear athletes and um, musicians and stuff, and when they lose their fame, you hear them always say something like, You find out who your true friends are. And I was like, oh my God, that's going to (laughs) happen to me. I'm going to find out who my true friends are. And what I found out was my true friends are way more numerous, way more generous, way more pleasant and just reliable and dependable. And there are so many more than I ever even thought. I, you know, I have acquaintances who are like, yeah, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I'm just thinking we met like once (laughs) Once for an hour, (laughs) you know? thank you. Uh, And they're like, no, I love helping you. And people love to help. I didn't realize that. I mean, I love to help people, but I didn't really think about other people helping. You know, again, I was just, I just like, I like helping other folks. I never really thought that I would have to ask for these connections, favors, solid support in return. I never, I never thought that. I always just thought I would, I thought I was sending the elevator back down from where I'd made it to help other people come up. I yeah. never thought I'd be down there going, Oh crap. Good thing. There's an elevator in here. Hey guys, can you still see me? <laughs> yeah, I'm down here again. I need a little help, but that's how it worked out. And it's been, it's been, I don't want to be dramatic about it, but there's times where people make offers that are so kind where I'm just like, Oh, I'm tearing up, you yeah. know, because I'm thinking this guy could just say no, yeah. but instead he's mailing it out to his whole list and invited me to come stay at his house for this thing that he's having. And, He's got all these other friends he's getting on
1: board. Yeah.
0: They don't have to do that stuff. People could just discard me if they needed to, and they there would be no consequences.
1: Did jumping back into like straight straight into the interviews is is it, is it the kind of thing that helps you get your mind off whatever yeah. else is
0: going on? Yeah, man. I'll tell you, there were so many days where I was just freaking out and nervous and just mentally just not there. So my producer saw that I had to get myself together, and he's like, let's just do a show. So we got a show together that we, were, that we had been planning for a while, and we just sort of changed the logistics a little bit, and we were like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. It's on the weekend. And I felt already back in the swing, yeah. already back in the groove, and I realized, oh, okay, having conversations on the microphone is like what I'm – this is what I do. Yeah. I interview people. This is what I do. I get gold out of people, I like to think. This is what I do. I can't run around going, oh, I've got so many things to do. Oh, I'm so worried about this. Oh, I'm so worried about that. My wife is, my wife, Jen, also has been very, very not shy about saying, focus on your show. Yeah. Focus on the quality. She's like, I'll handle the social media. I'll go through your inbox. You know, you need to focus on the quality of the show because she's like, if you do a stinker, you could have 10,000 new fans that go, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So I've got to rock each one of these in the beginning or the consequences. You know, you really can pour as much water as you want into a bucket with holes in the bottom. You know, you can try to acquire as many listeners as you want. You could spend a million dollars on advertising. Mm -hmm. And if your product stinks, you're not going to retain people. So the trick for me is to make sure that I'm upping the quality, not just bringing the same type of quality as I had before on the Art of Charm, but upping the quality for the Jordan Harbinger show. So that people go, man, this is definitely worth making the switch, Mm -hmm. or this is definitely worth checking out again, even though I haven't heard this Jordan guy for four years. Oh my gosh, it's totally different. This is what I want to have going now. I, I have to turn the quality up, not just get by while I rebuild the rest of my business.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Did you strategically think about the first couple of guests? Because I noticed they were lawyers, and, and obviously, I, I wonder if that felt like that was a natural conversation or, or segue into kind of like the, the more deeper subjects you were looking to cover.
0: No. The first guest was Mark Garagos. He came because he's a celebrity attorney that has worked with Michael Jackson and yeah. you know Chris Brown, Scott Peterson. He's just a really interesting guy, and he was going to come on the show and I thought, why not now? He was free on the Saturday and I happened to be there and I was like, I'm ready for this. Mm -hmm. And we did it. The second guy is Rob Weinhold. He talks about the art of crisis leadership and how you handle a crisis that that happened to be very apropos my life, but was not a Not a selection that I went, ooh, we gotta have this guy. And then the interviews that I did with uh, Bill Browder, who's being hunted by Vladimir Putin and responsible for sanctions against Russia. It's a very different kind of almost political episode, but this is a guy who's used to finding opportunity in just absolute ashes. And so I thought, this is gonna be a great one for the Jordan Harbinger show as well. Funnily enough, they all happened to apply to me very (laughs) readily (laughs)
1: That's what I was I mean, saying. Like, it was like, so yeah. crazy. Like, they almost pieced themselves together. I'm like, I don't know if you could have planned this any better because you needed to, like, have these conversations. You're like, oh, by the way, speaking of crisis management, you know, and <laughs> speaking of making tough decisions and being fearless in the face of, like, Vladimir Putin hunting you down. That story Bill Browder told uh, about his friend was like, it's not, it's interesting because it's one of those edge of those seat moments as you're listening to a podcast. You're like, where's the story going? And And when he's telling it, you could sense that you were just, also in awe of what he was telling you and sort of puts your own life into perspective when you hear like the that's bravery what he was doing and i don't want to say too much because i want people to go listen to the episode but it's just like you think you think you're tough or you you think you have to make tough decisions (laughs) then you listen to this guy's story
0: i know i know and you're like oh man this is really hard for me and it's like oh well i don't have one of the most powerful men in the world trying to kill me because i'm making him look bad yeah or oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to build this up. And he's like, how am I going to avenge the murder of my lawyer by sanctioning Russia? And it's like, well, okay, my problems seem a little bit yeah. easier to solve.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and see, so, I mean, he literally has a, a a target on his back. I mean, it's, it's crazy.
0: Oh, man, yeah, he is. I I would be terrified. And I when I Googled him, I realized, wow, there's not that many photos of his family online. How unusual. And then I thought, no, if you are <laughs> – if you are in his position, you don't want any photos of anything anywhere except maybe for you and your message. Yeah. You certainly don't want photos of your wife and kids floating around. No. The no, problem no. with that is the people that want them for bad things already have it, right? Yeah. It's yeah, the general it's public that can't find it.
1: Well, when you hear like all this stuff that happens, like South America with this—I want to pronounce this wrong—but the Scopamoline where they blow the freaking dust into people's faces, and it's kind of like a, a a powder roofie, basically. <laughs> Jeez, I haven't
0: heard about this. There's, That's terrifying. There's
1: videos of it, scopolamine or something like that. They blow it into people's faces, and then they're like in a zombie st- state, and they can—they take them around to the ATMs and, or they take them into like stores, high-end stores, max out their credit cards, and like completely like drain their bank account, and it's like. And then they drop them off on the side of the road. It's bananas. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. is that real? That yeah, sounds terrifying. It is real. No Sco, thanks. Sc- it's scope uh Look it up or something. Yeah.
0: Hard pass on getting kidnapped <laughs> while awake in a zombie state.
1: Jeez, no, thank you, man. Um, how important is to have have a uh, Jason there as a, as a sounding board? I, I like the I like the the post mortem that you guys are doing. I, I I think you did a bit of it with the old show, but it seems like. Um, You're sort of having more fun with it now.
0: Yeah, Jason's really important. My producer, Jason, is really integral to the whole show process. During the show, he's telling me things that I wouldn't get in real time. He'll say, this story's going too long. This person rambles on this. Control the guest more. Make sure that you ask him about this. Like, this is real-time producer stuff. This is happening. He's not just clicking record and then going to watch Netflix. He's engaged the whole time. Even though he might not be saying much or anything, he's listening the whole time, most of the time. He's controlling the flow of the or helping me control the flow of the show. He's warning me about things that need to happen or that are happening and shouldn't be happening all the time. It's, it's like somebody watching you perform in real time and coaching you in a way. Yeah. And he's the coach on the sidelines going, you know, I don't know what coaches yell on the sideline, you know, hustle, go after it. You know, this, <laughs> this person is, you know, open, this other person's not paying attention or the guy that you're blocking, you know, he's not, uh, he's not putting up a fight. Like that's yeah. the kind of stuff Jason is telling me in our Slack group or, or in my ear. And he'll say things that I would never have gotten in, in the moment, or he's telling me something, Hey, don't forget to tie this in, mm, you know, wow. the, make sure that this is happening. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You It's just a second brain. Is that second th- brain to the second set of years.
1: Is that just a testament to your friend, your friendship with him? I mean, that, that he knows you so well?
0: Yeah, I mean, he knows what the audience wants too. He knows what the audience wants to hear. So if I'm like whining about something or turning it into something that's all about me, he'll go, hey, 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 bring it back to the audience. And I go, oh yeah, here's me just yammering on about my wireless mouse. <laughs> and Jason's like, hey, no one cares. Yeah. Psst, shut the hell up, nobody cares. And I'm going, oh yeah, 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 I forgot, nobody cares. And he'll cut that out or he'll just let it ride and he'll be like, bring it back to the topic. You know, make it, you know, quit making dumb jokes. Nobody, can, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, all kinds of little stuff. And of course, as the host, I have to know when to not listen to him. But,
1: uh, yeah, well, he, he, I... I think he likes to have that that card so he can ramble a bit too. Because one of the postmortems, he starts talking about his dog, and he's like, "Trust me, this is going somewhere." And he talks about the dog he just got, and it was right before the the other show wrapped up. So, <laughs> but you gave him that uh, you, you gave him that 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 ability or that uh, space to to kind of talk about his stuff as well.
0: Of course, yeah. I mean, it's just because I talk all the time on the show, and it's called the Jordan Harbinger Show. Doesn't mean that I'm the only person who does the show. There's a whole team. Producer Jason. Bob Fogarty, who does the show notes. There's an engineer, Sanderson, who does a bunch of the hard acoustic editing. My wife is the person who handles the logistics, works out a lot of miracles. Mm-hmm. Rob and uh, our marketing team, a lot of a lot of these marketing guys and, and other folks that are help guys and girls that are, are helping us. They're listening to the shows and they're giving notes yeah. so that each one is better than the last. Hopefully. I mean, that's not really how it works, but the idea is that each one is better than the last. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing here? When, when did you can you tell the story of when you met Jason? Yeah, I was trying to promote some BS com thing for The Art of Charm a million years ago, and I looked for big meetup groups in L.A. to have them cross-promote with us, yeah. and he had some sort of blogger meetup, and I was like, hey, can you pr- promote our meetup group? And he's like, oh, I listen to your show. And I was like, oh, no, w- no way. So we started going back and forth and bantering a little bit and talking I was like, oh, it's cool that he's a show fan. How random. And he had this big meetup group. So I thought if I become friends with this guy, we can cross-promote. It'll be really mm-hmm. fun. Went out for some Thai food. I was like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. And we hung out a couple times here and there. And then we hired him for some random tech stuff. <laughs> and he kept working on a little bit of the show in a pinch. Yeah. And then it became like, oh, well, why don't you just do this? And he's like, why don't I just join you on the show? I'll keep my mouth shut. And then we can solve these problems in real time. And that was, I don't know, three, four years ago. And now he's on every show that I do, pretty much. It's not the same if he's not there. Is he like your Robin? Yeah, maybe. I don't think he would love that comparison. <laughs> he's real, you know, he's going to be like, oh, it's more like, and then insert this thing I've never heard of, you know, here
1: and there. Oh, technically. Yeah, some he's, he's probably fans of these, like, technical producers who do the same thing he does at a, at a much bigger scale or something.
0: Maybe, like or just different comic book characters, you know, that don't wear tights, <laughs> potentially.
1: Uh, so one of the one of the the features you brought back was this the the fan mail and so you you picked it back up you had some people like very quickly send you some stuff uh, why was it important to to keep that aspect of the show
0: it was something that we thought oh we won't even do on the first week because we don't have enough stuff we totally had enough stuff material for the feedback Friday and what we found was that the majority of the communication that we were getting via Twitter email even just random stuff was people saying, where is the the letters that you answer on Friday? Mm-hmm. It's called Feedback Friday on the Jordan Harbinger show. Where is this? This is my favorite thing. My commute's not the same without it. Mm. We realized, wow, this is a segment of the show that is extremely popular. Yeah, It's th- just people come for those episodes. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize that. But people are much more interested in those episodes than they are generally in the interviews. Don't get me wrong. People love the interviews. But- Some people like interviews with certain people. Other people like interviews with other people. Everybody seems to like Feedback Friday. There's a couple of reviews where people say, yeah, skip Feedback Friday. You don't really need to do it. But the hardcore fans, they all love Feedback Friday because that's where I get to talk, express my advice based on my experience. Jason does the same. And we help people out with real problems, man. And I'll often have to call in reinforcements, psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors, therapists, Because I'm not trying to solve everybody's stuff. A lot of people have real issues, man. But I'm able to help people solve business, personal problems, relationship issues. It's really cool. And it's an honor. And at first, it was just me sort of giving people what I thought was generalized wisdom and common sense. And now I realize, wow, a lot of people are really relying on this. They really are.
1: Do you do research into the question? Do you look at the questions and do a little bit of research? And then you plan what you're going to say? Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I make sure that what I'm saying is yeah, BS, you know?
1: Some of those answers you gave were so in-depth on, on some of the questions. I'm like, this can't be off the cuff because this, no. is, this is good stuff that you really gave it some thought.
0: Yeah, I think about each of the answers. That's why it's not just pick five random things out of the mailbag. Yeah. It's pick things that you resonate with, call friends, get a, advice from other folks. I mean, I do a lot of that, man. I do a lot. I, t- I put prep into it just like I would with an interview.
1: Mm-hmm. So can we talk a little bit more about the, your, your process? Because I, I mean, you're definitely one of the, my favorite interviewers. And I'm wondering, you. you know, just for people that are listening, there's a lot of folks that are, are starting podcasts and some of them are starting interview shows, just, you know, what they should be thinking about. You know, we're not trying to make this a masterclass on interviewing, but I think there's certain things that you think about and, and some of the stuff you think about from a research perspective and just from a flow perspective. So what guidance do you give people when they're, when they're starting to, to go down this path of having conversations with people?
0: I would say prepare, and a lot of people go, oh, "I don't want to overprepare." Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. That's kind of like saying, "I don't want to go to the gym because I don't want to get too strong." Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that, right? <laughs> people are afraid to overprepare, and I get why they don't want to stick to an outline and have a scripted sort of interview. I get that. That is a re- that is a real danger. Yeah. the The real danger, though, is not an over preparation and having a scripted sort of stilted interview. The danger is not having anything. So. Read the book of the person that's coming on the show for crying out loud. Yeah. Do it. I spent eight years being like, I don't need to read the book. Maybe nine years. <laughs> I don't need to read the book. And now the difference between an interview that I did where I read the book and an interview where I didn't is absolutely night and day. Yeah, I mean, absolutely night and day. Um, I also take notes. I don't just read the book passively. I take notes. I throw them in a Google doc yeah. and I have this thing called highlight tool and I make different colored highlighters. This is something I'm going to use to introduce the guest. This is something that's a concept that I'm going to have them explain. Here's a practical that I want them to deliver. Here's a story that illustrates something. Here's something I've already read that, I've, that I'm that i done with. Here's something i got to make sure that I put in there. Those are all different colors. So I highlight the crap out of my notes that I created from reading the book and reading websites and listening to other interviews with that same person. So then I have a show flow in there that's all jumbled up. Yeah. And then... I take that show flow and before the interview, I will go through and cut and paste and reorganize all of those notes into something. So I think, okay, this is roughly how this might go. And then it never goes like that. But at least I got maybe sort of close, kind of maybe.
1: Is that how your mind works? Like you need to sort of have that, that picture of what's going where be- before, before you turn on the mic?
0: Yes. And I used to not give a crap and wing it. And you could tell. You just, you can tell because you go, oh, I should have asked him about that thing. I remember that. Well, why didn't you remember it during the show? Because you didn't write it down, you lazy SOB. Why the hell? What the hell? Or, oh, yeah, I didn't get that practical. Oh, that's right. That drill that I read online. What? I I mean, there's no reason to be forgetting this stuff. And people go, oh, you have too many notes. (laughs) No, you don't have enough notes. I don't have to read all of my notes during the interview. I need to forget about them for the most part and skim them during the conversation and go, oh, right, that. Yeah. I want to ask about that. You need the ability to do that. A lot of people think, oh, it's all up here. No, that's ridiculous. It's not all up there. You're trying to remain present in a conversation. If you're trying to rack your brain to think about what you should say next, you're not being present. I need to be able to look at a notepad in a Google Doc, really, and go, Oh, that's an interesting story. I'm um, going to scroll three pages because you basically accidentally led into this. So, yeah. yeah, let's talk about that. While we're on the subject, what about what about being hunted by somebody, by, by Vladimir Putin? How does that feel? Don't you worry about your family? How does that change your actions and behavior in everyday life? Has it dissuaded you at all? Well, no, you know, da-da-da. And then I, and I go, oh, well, you know, this other guy who pissed off Vladimir Putin died of radiation poisoning in a really brutal way. You know, that can't be confidence-inspiring. He goes, oh, yeah. Alexander Litvinenko, you know, did it. And that spawns other stories. I Mm -hmm. might not have remembered that example in the moment. Yeah. So I had to throw it in the document, you know, and if, if you create this huge flow document, you highlight the crap out of it and you never use it fine. Yeah. It's okay.
1: It was making
0: it that was worthwhile, not using it to get every ounce of juice out of the guest.
1: So, you have this unique opportunity because you are literally like in control of this ship, and you can dictate like where you want it, where you want it to go, who you want it to have on uh, I imagine some to some extent you did have that um with the old show, but does that mean that you just think about this even more strategically about like just just having these conversations with like with people that otherwise might not have a platform but that you know have like an amazing story to tell. Um, and And are you actively searching like those types of interviews out?
0: yeah, I am uh, I'm really looking at the beauty of being able to start over is one, I can build it back hopefully faster than eleven years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and two, I bring w- with me all the relationships and the skills, but yeah, I can also have a guest on who isn't about social skills, and yeah. the audience, which is smart, educated, affluent. They'll enjoy it and they won't go, I don't understand how this fits in. They'll go, wow, that was really interesting. And not everybody has to like every interview, but now I don't have somebody going, hey, how does that help us sell live workshops in LA? Or how does that help us sell our product about this? I can just have the conversations and I don't have to shoehorn it all into something else. And that's that's been phenomenal. That's been really nice.
1: So, with all this stuff going on, how important has uh, has has family been for all this? Family's been crucial because if you think you might lose your house or something
0: like that or you need a break and you can't get one anywhere reliably, you will go absolutely insane and in, uh, it'll be bad for you, period. Um, however, of course, if you have that structure and support network around you, you can kind of focus on not kind of, you can then focus on moving forward because you're not playing defense. Mm. So, And that's, that's phenomenal. Knowing that there's people in your corner no matter what, not just your show's friends or stuff like that, but your family says, look, you're not going to lose your house. You're not going to lose your car. People are going to be here to take care of you. I'm too tired to cook dinner tonight. Great, I'm going to go to my in-law's house. Then I'm going to lay on the couch. My mother-in-law is going to cover me with a blanket. My cat's going to jump on me. You know, that type of thing is really priceless when you're dealing with a situation where you might not be getting enough sleep, you might not be doing enough self-care, you got people looking out for you, they're cooking you home-cooked meals, they're making sure you have lunch. You yeah. just skipped lunch and they found out because they texted you because they gave a crap and they came over and brought you food. That has been incredible, but what I've also noticed is that friends are now the extended family. They're the family I get to choose. Hmm. And those relationships have really been invaluable because you realize, and I said this before, you realize how much people care that you never had a clue yeah. or you thought people would say they cared, but then they wouldn't, you know, nothing would come of it. And then here I am talking with you guy who doesn't normally have repeats. And I've got friends of mine with email lists that have 150,000 people on them. And they're like, no, I'll just mail this out right now.
1: Yeah.
0: It does nothing for their business. It in fact might hurt their business because people might unsubscribe, but they're willing to stick their neck out for me because they know I would do the same for them. And I, that's, humbling heartwarming and freaking relieving all at the same time
1: yeah i mean it's just a, well it's a, i mean it's a testament to who you are and we talked about this pre-show as well i mean uh you just strike me again it's like we, we haven't had that much interaction but you just strike me as someone i'm, I'm a pretty good uh I, reader of, of people's like energy and frequency, just like whatever, just we like, either vibe or we don't. And, you know, you can kind of smell bullshit from a mile away, sure. you know? So I think uh, it's just a testament to who you are. Um, that You're a good person and, and I have no doubt, you know, you, you've heard, you're gonna hear this a million times more that you're gonna turn this around. But I think um, I got a feeling that now um, you get to, to write a new future for yourself that, that's gonna be on your own terms. And, and I think, you know, what comes out of that is gonna be even, even if possible, even bigger than what you had before.
0: You know, I think that you're right, and that's what everybody's been saying. It's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. It's going to be bigger than it was yeah. before, et cetera. The problem is when you're in the middle of it, all you can see is the grind. Yeah. However, I'm okay with grinding. I'm no stranger to hard work. It's a, it's the uncertainty that was driving me crazy. I talk about it in an episode on uncertainty on the Jordan Harbinger show. But it's and it's a really good way to rebuild something that I never thought I'd have to rebuild so I can recraft it in my own image in a way that really is going to make the whole team proud. And that's what we're doing. It might, take, it might be a rough year, yeah, but it'll be worth it.
1: So a couple uh, couple questions uh, that I usually ask, and I, I imagine they'd have a um, different answer now that based on what you've gone through. So what, what's something you've changed your mind about recently?
0: Changed my mind about recently? Huh. I don't know if this counts, but I've certainly become more compassionate for other people you know, I before you hear someone's going through a hard time, and you go, oh, thoughts and prayers, right? But now I'm like, wow, I really feel for this person. Even if I'm watching something on TV and it's not a good person, I'm like, well, you know, I still feel where they're coming from. And my wife's like, who are you? Because <laughs> before i just be like, whatever, click, next. Oh, wham, boo-hoo, I'm going to jail because I stole my... Now I'm like, oh, that must feel really terrible. <laughs> yeah, he's a criminal, but man, imagine what he feels. Yeah. My wife's like okay, <laughs> well, where's my husband? You know? So, th- but that compassion has become really useful in interviews because when oh, someone yeah. says, you know, I just did this and this and this, and instead of going, Oh yeah, that must've been really hard. I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. Yikes. That must weigh on you. Do you ever get over that? And they're mm. like, actually, you know, it's, it's totally different when you feel what the other person is saying versus you just sort of intellectually are
1: saying that you understand. Um, Empathy, man.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: What what's the one most misunderstood thing about you?
0: What's the most misunderstood thing about me? Yeah. Um hmm. Let me see. I don't know. I mean, if, am I able to even find out what people misunderstand about me without them that's telling what,
1: me? That's one of those uh cones, right? <laughs> Co- yeah. Oh, so like one hand clapping thing, but just you know something to think about like if everyone anyone has ever thought about you or or you've gotten feedback about something you're like, "Wait, that's not me." I mean, before I started to
0: really get into the talk show thing, a lot of people thought I was really aloof because I was quiet. And really, I was just totally deathly shy and had social anxiety. Now I'm a talk show host. I don't really have those same problems. I think a lot of people might think that I don't, well, a lot of people think I don't remember them. They go, oh, you won't remember this, but blah, 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 blah. I do typically remember that a lot. Yeah. And, or I know this didn't, this interaction didn't mean squat to you, but blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I I enjoy interacting with everybody, you know, especially show fans and things like that. No, I do. I do like that. Or I'll get an email that's like, I know you don't have time to read this. Don't You don't have to reply, but blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, no, I would love to reply to this. You know, it might take me a month, but.
1: It's amazing you know, how how many people like sell themselves short and they don't give themselves enough credit and just like thinking that that, there, that, that, that was a connection that was actually, you know, meaningful or at least memorable to you. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, but I don't know if those really count as like wow, those are really misunderstood things about yeah. me. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really have anything like that.
1: Well, I appreciate you coming on again. And um, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited for you. And I'm, I'm in your corner. And uh, I just wanted to have a quick chat and just see how things are going. And so I want people to know that there's a new show and, and a new home base for you. So best place for folks to track you down or listen to the show. Sure. I mean, whatever you
0: use to listen to the show, search for the Jordan Harbinger show in there, Jordan Harbinger. And if you're, if you're, if you got to go to a website to do it, you know, you can go to jordanharbinger.com slash podcast. And that's where I would appreciate people would go. I'm not selling anything, man. Just selling, selling the
1: show, <laughs> selling stories, for free. Yep, and, selling and, stories and
0: Twitter is at Jordan Harbinger okay. and Instagram at Jordan Harbinger. It's really easy to remember should be all lined up like that.
1: Well, I appreciate you and appreciate your friendship and appreciate your time, Jordan. Thanks so much. Likewise, man. Thanks for the opportunity. What a great conversation with my friend Jordan. I appreciate him being upfront and honest about some of the challenges and concerns he has about starting from scratch. It's very interesting for those of you that are in the podcasting world. There's uh, another friend of the show... Um, John Lee Dumas, who has this great question at the end of his podcast that said if you had to start over with $500 in your pocket, what would you do? And that question was really top of mind as I was um, having this conversation with Jordan, because it's important for us to think about at the end of the day, if we did have everything taken away from us, and and my friend Jason Gaynard talks about this a lot as well, um, you can take away... Uh, the money you can take away the the show you can take away all the material things but if you've actually put in the work to build a network of friends around you who have your back no matter what i have a feeling that when it comes time uh, for situations like this like something jordan is going through right now um, that they're going to have your back and um, you don't necessarily go out and build these relationships with that intention but i've noticed it myself i mean my relationships in the past four years are completely transformational and some of these people are going to be friends for life and these are people that I didn't know of uh, before I entered the podcasting world so I'm forever grateful to them and and Jordan is one of those uh friends that I've come to know through the show um and I've got the opp- I've I've received or I've gotten the opportunity the grammar sounds really horribly wrong on that sorry <laughs> I've gotten the opportunity to hang out with him a couple of times and uh he's a really solid guy So as always, you can check out the full show notes. We put a lot of work and a lot of love into capturing the essence of the conversation in our summary, in our timestamps, in our um, tweetables, and in the links mentioned in the show, podcastjunkies.com slash 164. Don't forget to support our episode sponsor, Podbean at podbean.com slash junkies. Another quick shout out to Podcast Movement. Uh, It's coming up in July, July 23rd through the 26th. And don't forget to use the coupon code Podcast Junkies. I want to just throw that in there. I want to get a lot of people to there. It's going to be the fifth year. I think it's going to be really exciting. So, uh, Podcast Junkies uh, to receive a discount on your ticket at podcastmovement.com. Tune in next week. We've got a great show. The hits just keep on coming. This time it's Drew Ackerman, host of Sleep With Me. This is <laughs> a really fun conversation. Uh, Drew, Drew and I met actually a year ago at uh, PodFest, and then we reconnected again at this year's PodFest, and it's just been a long time coming. He's just such a great guy, such an ambassador for podcasting, and if you're not familiar with the show, his objective is to put you to sleep <laughs> with his podcast, this, the extremely popular Sleep With Me podcast, so that's gonna be fun. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter at podcastjunkies.com slash eight tools, and if you made it this far, you're awesome. And I know it and you know it. So won't you share the retention hashtag Jordan Talks, J-O-R-D-A-N-T-A-L-K-S, Jordan Talks, tag Jordan at Jordan Harbinger and us at Podcast Junkies, us being me, the host of the show. So thank you. Have a fantastic week. See you next week, guys.